I'm Nivra Jaindra and this is the Embodied Ayurveda Podcast. Here you receive high-level, authentic and comprehensive Ayurvedic and yogic insights so that you can truly level up your wellness practices and profession. Like, leave a review, leave a rating, subscribe... So according to Ayurveda, there are these three fundamental pillars of health. Ahara, food, nidra, sleep, and brahmacharya, self-restraints. Now I spoke in depth on brahmacharya in a previous episode. My first episode, actually, because this topic is so, so close to my heart. It's not discussed enough. But even the topic of ahara is so much more comprehensive than initially thought of. Yes, ahara translates to food, but it's not just about food. It's about all that we ingest, everything we consume, physically and mentally, that becomes our tissues, our enzymes, our emotions, our hormones. Everything that we ingest has its own frequency and energetic quality. It has a dosha composition and a mental attribute. Please refer to previous episodes if you need more context on this. Everything we ingest needs to be processed, digested by our digestive file. This whole process And the effectiveness of it, of taking something in, of receiving its energetic state, assimilating it, affects our entire mind-body system. How we move through this world, the health of our tissues, our emotions, our physical strength. So what are the main components of ahara? They are food, yes, water, breath, thoughts, and just sensorial inputs in general. So these are the main components that together make up that first pillar of health, ahara. But what are we going to be diving into to today? One, thoughts, perception, this specific component of ahara, how the way in which we receive and sense information can shift the state of our well-being entirely. And two, a beautiful self-inquiry method that supports a healthier, more mindful thought process. So please stick with me till the end. I'd love for you to think through, reflect on the self-inquiry method because it's so, so powerful. But first, every emotion or thought holds a certain qualitative energy, a particular elemental and mental quality. For example, angry, jealous, competitive thoughts hold a lot of heat in them. The more that we indulge in these emotions, perceiving in this way through the lens of jealousy or anger, the more the energy of fire is going to build within us. If it grows beyond its natural amounts, this aggravated fire energy will begin to be expressed as disease anywhere in the body. Meaning that the fire energy, which is pitta, this heat energy, flows through the whole body. We know this through the emotional and physical body both. It can find its expression anywhere, in the guts, in our skin, in our gums. So until the roots of our heated thoughts are tended to, the disease that was a result of aggravated fire or heat in the body will continue to manifest somewhere or the other, no matter what band-aid solution you turn to. Every thought and emotion holds its own qualities, and these are associated with the different doshas, yes, 
and the gunas, the mental qualities, the different sense organs, internal organs, different functions. So overindulging any specific type of thoughts means you are aggravating whatever energy, whatever dosha that thought holds. And even on the flip side, you resisting a particular thought, you suppressing, repressing, can also throw certain systems off balance within you. Unfortunately for us, our patterns are sticky. Thought patterns are sticky. We tend to receive, perceive, and respond in habitual ways, whether it serves our optimal well-being or not. Subconscious response patterns and limiting beliefs that have been passed down or learnt within stressful situations become calcified within, within us. You already know this. You move through this. So this means that certain ways of thinking, certain energies will continue, continue, continue to be aggravated within us if we're not tending to those patterns. And other than that, how does the quality of intense emotions and thoughts express themselves through physical or mental features? Well, disturbed, violent, or fearful thoughts, for example can be very difficult for the emotional and physical body to actually digest. Oftentimes, these, these types of thoughts accompany our own resistance to them. We tend to close up, clench, or hold on to these feelings, especially ones like lack, anger, regrets, guilt, depravity. And when we hold on to these emotions, they start to become very stuck and stagnant within us. These mental aggravations deep identifications, unprocessed emotions that are not actually digested and released by the body almost certainly manifest as located physical irregularity and disease. The thicker the stagnation, the more chronic the uneasiness. So these are already two ways in which thoughts can affect the overall state of our health or the expression of disease. One, because they carry their own attributes. These attributes can be aggravated. And two, they can get lodged within us if not processed and digested correctly. Ayurveda gives us insight on how to better manage our thoughts and perception, especially in the context of cultivating sattva, a mental attribute of contentment, kindness, and equilibrium. It should be intuitively felt that just as fearful or excessively indulged big emotions can so powerfully impact physical immunity and resilience, so too can acceptance, compassion, and stillness help to regulate all physical and functional processes in our body. Ayurveda also teaches us the qualitative energies of our own emotions. I only gave you an example of a few, which were the anger, the heated the jealousy, the competitiveness, all related to pitta. But we get insight into the full spectrum of emotions and how they relate to the different doshas so that we can enhance our own self-awareness of how to more effectively cope. There is insight on the subtle mind and how it's connected to metabolic health, as well as how the breath and high vitality foods can support the shift of these calcified response patterns. Amazing, right? But instead of all of that for today, I'm going to present you with four questions. 
four questions that help you to loosen the grip a thought has over you. And then we're going to try turning the thought around. So this is me integrating a contemporary self-inquiry method into my Ayurvedic clinical practice, one that I found to be exceptionally useful. This is the Byron Katie method. And I'm going to take from their website, their materials, their workshop materials that I have attended and learned from. And you can do that too. So just know that that's what I'm doing. So in this method of self-inquiry, we are asked to isolate and question one thought. Any specific one thought that keeps circling through you, that might be driving you towards certain behaviors, that might be feeling stuck within you. Spend some time reflecting in quietude. Isolate and articulate this single thought as a simple sentence. It could be, for example, my mother does not respect you. Maybe that's an underlying belief. Beliefs are thoughts that come to us again and again and again, becoming calcified within us. It could be the story, I am not worthy of this job it's not going to work out, or my partner is very selfish. Whatever comes up for you, this is a meditation in and of itself. What are those thoughts that you could isolate that are repeated themes in your life that are driving you towards behavior that might not be serving you? So what is this thought? The belief beneath so many of your actions and reactions. Now ask these four questions of this thought. So for the purpose of this exercise, I'm going to offer a thought into the space. And we're just going to look at this one thought so we have more personal context. The thought I'm going to place here is, my oldest friends judge me and the work that I do. So the first question we ask of this thought is, is it true? Be still and find your honest yes or no as it arises to meet the question. If your answer shows up as a yes, we move to question two. If no, then just experience that no for a moment, move to question three. My oldest friends judge me and the work that I do. So maybe in this moment I'm feeling like, yeah, that's really true. They really do. The second question then is, Can you absolutely know that it's true? Hmm. Shine a flashlight into why you think that. What are the moments, the experiences that you've had that have given you that thought, have have made you believe that belief and see what reveals itself to you? For me, no. I can't absolutely know that this is true. So question three then is, how do do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? Close your eyes and witness the feelings, body sensations and behaviors that arise when you believe that thought. Hmm. What happens when I believe that thought? If I believe that thought, I don't show up with as much courage and honesty as I know I can. Maybe I dim my light. Maybe I shut myself out. Maybe I stop socializing as much. 
Maybe I feel heavy in my body. And question four, who would you be without that thoughts? Closing your eyes, return to the situation. Take a moment to reflect, observe, and experience yourself. Maybe some situations that fed you that thoughts. Who would you be without the thoughts? How would you feel? How would you see the other people involved in this thought? Drop all your judgments. I would be much lighter. I would be much more expressive. I would be much deeper in my truth, probably, if I didn't believe that thought. Maybe I would just be more at peace with me and my work. So now that we've asked the four questions, and I invite you to ask these four questions of a thought that came up for you, in the same way that I just did, reflect. And now we get to turn the belief around. We turn that belief around to the opposite thing. We turn it to the self and to the other. I'll just show you how. This provides as an invitation to see if the opposite of the belief is in fact true. If the new perspectives available to us feel as true. So in my example, the thought was, my oldest friends judge me and the work that I do. So now making it the complete opposite, my oldest friends don't judge me, nor the work that I do. Yes, this is also true. As I felt in the previous four questions, this is true too. And actually, now that I think of it, many of my oldest friends actively support me and the work that I do. So it's important to remember that maybe I was just fixating on one particular person or one particular situation and making it to be the full story instead of seeing actually the larger story, the larger picture. Now we turn the statement to the self. So instead of my oldest friends judge me and the work that I do, I judge myself and the work that I do. Is this true? In moments, of course. I mean, I am my biggest judge. I'm my biggest critic. So of course, I'm probably always judging myself in some form or shape or the other. And that's interesting to remember too. Maybe that's what really needs my attention and my care. And then turn it to the opposite. So instead of my oldest friends judge me, how about I judge my oldest friends and the work that they do? Hmm. This is a bit of a confronting question. If you are turning around your thought, it could be that maybe you don't respect someone else. Maybe you don't have compassion for someone else. So, yeah... Maybe in the past I have judged my oldest friends, never the work that they do, but I do wonder if they, in fact, through all the distance and life that's happened in between, feel like I possibly judged them. I never thought that they felt that way, but it's possible what I've been sensing could be re a reflection of what they sense. This is a pattern we often see. So enough of me to close. What does it feel like to believe these opposite thoughts? What are the opposite other perspectives offered to you in this meditation? Are you able to loosen the hold certain emotions and sensations associated with the belief that they had on you? 
This self-inquiry process provides as an invitation to the mind an opportunity to be shown what is true beyond what we think we know. Through questioning, you not only remain alert to your own stressful thoughts, but also the thoughts lose their power over you. They lose their grip over you. This lightness, this ease, this clarity, it lends to big level ups in health the health of your relationships, of your entire being, of your career. So next time you feel any sort of uneasiness anywhere in your body, take it as an opportunity to inquire, what is the quality of ahara these days, my inputs? And specifically, what are the qualities of my thoughts? What can be released? What can be alchemized? Now that you know exactly how interconnected they are to your overall health, as well as a way of approaching your thoughts more mindfully, more fruitfully. Drop into the depths of your own being. Listen, ask, wait. Allow for the answers to bring you home to your truest self. Thank you for listening. This is Nev, your favorite Ayurvedic health coach. This is the Embodied Ayurveda podcast. Check the show notes for more information on my offerings. Find me on Instagram at the Rates Your Health Compass. Till next time.